Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You think you know about relationships, but you're wrong. Listen, there's no magic bullet. I'm teaching life skills. You sick? You need medicine. It don't always taste good. Nah, but it'll get you better. You, you, you need this medicine. Yeah. It ain't gonna always taste good, but this is what you need. Men and women, bottom line, we need to have the conversation. Your partner wants to give up control, but only if you know how to drive. This is about being the best you you could ever be, whoever you are. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, LGBTQ, space alien. I'll save anybody. I don't care. I'll teach a hedgehog how to have a threesome. What do you mean by that? Look, you don't have to listen to me, but you're wrong. Listen, I know I'm great. And I know you're thinking, Dante, there's no way I could be like you. But you could be me. You know why? Because you know who I was before I was me? I was you. You man school. 202. Better hear what I've got to say because you won't get it again. I'm not an alpha male. I'm not a beta male either. I'm just a better man. Better man. Well, put your happiness first because if you don't, they won't. Yo, what's up, Square Pippa Gay? GYBB, get your balls back. WWDD, what would Dante do? The sexual revolution is being podcasted, and I am excited. Uh, I, I, this is a special show. Now, I know I've said that 500 times before, but this time I mean it because we got a special guest. First and foremost, how's my boy Harry? What's going on, baby? Oh, what doing, you doing good, man. Running around like a lunatic. We're doing good. We're getting the show. We're getting the yeah. show on the air. Yeah, well, it ain't easy. It ain't always easy. You good? You ready to rock yeah, and roll? Yeah, man, I'm ready to go. I'm having a tough time keeping these gators down, but other than that. Difficult. 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 I want to introduce my guest. Uh, you may have seen him on, Col- on Colbert. Very, very funny dude. Um, one of the dudes that I run into very often, running around, doing spots all over the city. Uh, give it up for Nick Griffin, yo. Give it up for Nick. What's going on, yeah, Nick? Yeah, good to see you, Dante. Hi, Harry. Um, yeah, we've been seeing each other for years and years and years and just couldn't make it work, and I'm thrilled to be here. Man, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. We've been trying to get you on for years now, so <laughs> we finally got you. So well, still. I'm here. I'm excited, man. Took a, it took a pandemic, but we got you. <laughs> a bunch of people had to die to. For this a lot to of people had to die, yeah. and we but like, it was no. worth it. I think it was worth. I think it, it was worth it too. But my fans would say that too, that they, they it was worth it. How you been, bro? How you doing? Uh I've been kind of like everybody, man. I, I've been hustling, um, trying to get gigs and uh, staying inside. And then you know, lately I've been. Just um, I've been a little bit of road stuff, but not much, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, where have you been going? You been going to crazy Florida? Or you been going to places that are kind of, uh, you know, reasonable? Fairly normal, you know. I play. I'm from Kansas. I know that's not impressive, but um, <laughs> I'm originally from Kansas, so I play the Midwest a lot. I was okay. just in Ohio, and um, 
and St. Louis, and they're yeah. pretty lax, you know. They they're yeah. not, you know, they think it's over. Yeah, yeah. How's that work when you when you meet and greet at the end of the night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how. Um, it's okay, you know. I've kind of been pretty cavalier about meeting people and uh, shaking hands and all that. I, I I grew up with six brothers and sisters, so I haven't been scared of much since. And um, everything's been good, you know. I haven't had any problems. I never got the COVID. No, I got, no. I, okay. I got all the um, all the vaccinations and took care of uh, of that stuff. But yeah, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty okay with it. Okay, all right. That's good. That's good. Um. We uh, you know, we 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 re. I would have really preferred you to get you in the studio, but um, you know, people are a little weird about being in the studio still here and there, and it's you know, it's pretty closed. I mean, we get it; it's well ventilated. Plus, we have a a, a full bar, which is always nice. <laughs> but uh, you know, but we we've had a couple people come in, and some people are not with it, and so you know and i just figured it would be easier i had such a rough time getting you on i was like if i get him on a zoom call I, we could do that right so that was that was my thing you'd be surprised how many people are more willing to do a show if they can do it from their bedroom turns and, out that's what we and, learned i mean that's what i, I really want to do comedy that way right from my bedroom but you guys um, are right yeah i um I mean, I take about two naps a day. So me leaving the house, it has to be a very hmm. special reason. It's a special reason, right? <laughs> it's got to be money involved. Exactly. Exactly. Nick, are you, you, I mean, I mean, I met your girlfriend before. I don't know. Are you still with the same girl? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Leslie, we've been together for, geez, almost five years. So, wow. um, yeah, we're doing how'd, well. How'd that go with the, with the COVID? It was challenging. You know, we um, we stayed in a uh, I was living in Hell's Kitchen and she had a place over in Midtown East. And um, and as you guys probably have read or heard, Hell's Kitchen went really bad after yeah. Uh, yeah. after a while. So I moved in with her about a year and a half ago. And uh, it, we, we, at first we were in a little studio apartment and that was um, it was fine, but it was a little Tight, close, close. we got a one bedroom now and everything's great you know i'm uh i keep to my playroom and uh she's got her work <laughs> right 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 it's uh it's interesting because you talk about like so so i i still i have i still have my day job from when i started doing com comedy I, with the phone company yeah so i work right in your area like i pull right out of 47th street and uh 12th and so that shit was like Mad Max. It was insane. The the homeless people and the violence and the crime was in fucking sane. Like uh, I had a friend of mine who lived right on 51st and he was like, look, I, you know, when it when it first started, he was like, I, I, I don't let my wife go to the store after it gets dark. So it really got it. Was it really that bad for you as well? Well, you're explaining it perfectly. Um, uh, it was like Escape from New York, you know. Yeah, it yes, was, that's, um, the, that's exactly what I was thinking about. After dark, it was a very, very aggressive homeless uh, and street people. Uh, there's a lot of junkies in my neighborhood, a lot yeah, of junkies. Yeah. And um, I used to, I've always had a hard time sleeping and I would... Uh, I would stay up. Some nights I would stay up all night and like at six, I'd go take a walk in the morning to get my exercise done for the day. And it was just, it was like everyone was heading back to their little hole, all these yeah. uh, street people. And uh, 
I know, you know, uh, you know, mild assaults from people from uh, lots of friends who went through it. And it's it just uh, very aggressive now. Yeah, it was it was insane. I mean, like uh, 36th Street, um, uh, 47th, 40, like all over 11th, like over by um, by what you call it was insane by 34th Street. I mean, they yeah. lot, like, it was just. I mean, like, like I, I'm not a dude that really looks at, you know, at, at neighborhoods and go, okay, this is a rough neighborhood. You know what I mean? Right, I right, kinda, right. I understand. I kind of grew up in that. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn in the in the '80s, so it's like whatever. But it was, it was scary. How was it? I've Jersey? seen movies about the '80s. All it was was people breakdancing each other for territory. <laughs> it, was lot, it was a lot of breakdancing for it territory. It didn't look that rough. Everybody was wearing mesh and. Uh, <laughs> Neon and jackets seem cool to me. Pa- parachute yeah. pants and Webo boots. Absolutely. It was my thing. I still got my Webo boots. But I mean, <laughs> it was, it was, oh, it was fucking insane. Um, yeah, down in, um, down in the Port Authority, obviously, and yeah. down in uh, Penn Station. I mean, it's just awful down yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it it's looks been, bad. It's been really crazy. Um, you so you've been with you've been with your girl like five years. Five right? years. I remember when you broke up with the other one, and I mean because I you can always tell where people are at in, <laughs> because of their acts. You know what I mean? Like, sure. The, the act goes really dark at some time. Yeah. And then it, it kind of got bright. You you kind of had a brighter outlook. It's just it's insane how uh, the litmus to our life is the material that we're talking about. You know. Um, Absolutely. Conversely, uh, Harry's been talking a lot about male rape, and I don't know what's going on with that. But, <laughs> but yeah, but you don't know what angle, which way it's coming from. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. if you are the raper or the rapist. I'm against it. I'm against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a bold uh, position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought with the way comedy's going, somebody had to speak out and go so against it. Thought somebody. And yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, people, that's what people say about you. You're bold, Harry. You are bold. You 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 talk about the rough issues. But um, it, it was, uh, you know, it's funny because I, you know, I'm I, I got I ended up getting married and I got a little kid now. And oh, congratulations. Yeah, that happened right before right before the uh, the pandemic. So it was a little it was uh, interesting, which was kind of cool because I got to spend a lot more time with him. I mean, just because I was home and it wasn't so much going on. But I mean, as soon as things, things that the cap popped and people started, did you do a lot of stuff on the roofs and open outdoor stuff or did you kind of just wait till it came back? No, I did a lot of that stuff. I did uh, a lot of stand up New York park shows mm. and uh, a lot of, as you know, tiny cupboard shows and, um, <sighs> Yeah, those were tough. Dude, um, I man, going up on that fucking fire escape. So like explain I, so explain to people who don't know the tiny cupboard is like a factory or some turned art gallery in New York, but they were doing shows on the roof of this factory. And the only way to get on the roof is not it wasn't designed for people to go up there. You gotta go up the fire escape on the side and it's then, not like when you think of a fire escape, you think of a you know, a little thing you go up and it's literally just a metal staircase strapped to the side of the building, just and and uh, three flights up, just sh- and and then you got that drain pipe that you gotta you gotta shimmy so around if, it. If you wanna stay close to the wall, you can't stay close. Then you get on the roof, and the roof is tender and it has soft. Has some give to yes. it. Yes. 
Yeah, I um, and and that's one of my um, I guess uh, issues is I, I don't like heights at all, and really? so that that going up the, those steps was you know that was the I mean the shows were hard to begin with, and then you have to go up this maze to get in there, and uh, yeah. it was it was it's but amazing how, what we did for comedy. Here's how bad things got. That was a coveted gig. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, right. get, <laughs> everybody <laughs> wanted to do the tiny cupboard. They were like, "Can I go up on a fire escape on a yeah. roof?" Please, some, can I go up? when? With some Brooklyn hipster, hipsters, like, oh, I can't wait to do it. It was, just, it was, it's weird. Everyone was twenty five because you don't know adults going to go up that uh, fire yeah, escape uh, Dude, at five I, o'clock on a Tuesday. I had a, <laughs> I had a booking for it, and I was driving. I said, "Let me go check it out." I went up, checked it out, went up and sat up there. Um, and then I, I cancel the gig. I go, there's no way I'm coming up to, st- I'm not. Yeah. Like, it was that bad. Harry, you went up there, right? You I went it. up there a couple times and, uh, like, I don't like heights either. So I'd rush up the thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to, best. I try to do that. Right. And it was easier at night, actually. This way you don't mm-hmm. see the bottom. But then when you give up and you just walk, uh, get up there and you walk around and the roof has some give to it. That was yeah. a little rough. You're like, I don't <laughs> It's not the way I want to go out. I don't want to die. Like, here's a here's a funny thing. Tale. It was so uncomfortable for me. I went up there and then I got comfortable once I was up there. And then I was like, I really don't want to walk back down that flight of stairs. Right. So then I stayed there for all the horrible comics because it's like <laughs> every horrible comic in the city was performing up there, and because they, they were all producing shows. And then I was like, I'm just going to sit here and watch horrible Although, comedy. For the I will of my say, life. as you get older, uh, you will move less. So you will sit through the comedian. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yesterday yeah. we were at the comic strip waiting to go on. And there was some it was like a newer talent night or whatever before we went on. And uh, my girl was like, how do you guys do this? I go, I think Dante's not going to get up because his back hurts. He's going to sit through this because <laughs> by the time he gets up and goes to oh, sit Elise. down at the other booth. Then he's got to get up again. I, I got to think... get back and come back again. And you're yeah. like, uh... you're like, so I just right, sat through it. it with a blank look on my face and just uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and I died a little inside. I died a little bit. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Uh, it's, it's just insane. How long you been doing it, um, Nick? Oh, God, I hate to say it, like 32 years. Really? So where'd you start? Uh, um, when I started, you know, you talked about the 80s. I started about 88 in um, Kansas City. Uh, comedy was like the new, I don't know, video Thing. arcades or something. Just yeah, like yeah, that. They, yeah. they started popping up everywhere. And, and as it was you a know, big trend, big trend in the 80s. Like a big boom was the first big boom. They called boom. It. Yeah. Every every Italian restaurant had a mic in the back of the room and um obviously coffee shops and restaurants and bars. And, and so I was doing it. Uh, yeah, I started about 88, 89. And then um, I moved to New York in 91, 92. I only stayed for three years because I couldn't get any stage time. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple buddies move to LA and I followed them. Okay. I, I was in LA, Dante. Who were, you, for... who were your buddies? Who's your buddies? 
Well, there was one was a writer, but one was a, a, a guy named Steve Marmel who ended up uh, writing for. Uh, he went out there to write for uh, Arsenio Hall. So That's I cool. followed him out to L.A. and uh, I mean, basically, he said, you know, he was, you know, had didn't know many people out in L.A. and we had kind of hung out together in New York, and I was complaining every week that I wasn't getting any spots, of course. The tiny cupboard hadn't been invented yet. And, <laughs> and uh, so I followed him out there and I stayed out there for uh, 13 years. I got married out there. I got divorced out there. And uh, and then I just I moved back to New York uh, probably 12 years ago, 13 years ago. OK, that's when I, rem- I met you. I met you yeah. around that about 12 years ago. Yeah. When did you start? I started in 2000. I've been doing it about 2021 between about 21. So I started. So but what's interesting is I so I, I don't know. I mean, I've talked about this a 100 times, but I was a male stripper before. I knew that. Right. So I was a male stripper. And right around the time when you talk about the 90s around it is when Def Jam broke. And yeah, so I was promoting these male reviews and I always wanted to be a stand up comic. I, like, I was one of those kids that would uh, get up out of bed, sneak out of bed to watch to watch um, Carson, Carson, whoever was on Carson for that night. Anytime they had a comedian. And I, I mean, like, I remember watching like Emo Phillips and uh, yeah. Gar- Gary Mule Deer. Oh, funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, Paula Poundstone. Uh, sure. Like, the, I mean, all and all the all the white guys that had their their show, their their jacket uh, rolled up, rolled the, up. Sure. Yeah, that was the, so I, I was a, a fan of that. And then and so when the Def Jam thing broke, I used to book uh, Tracy Morgan and Mike Epps and all of those guys to open for the strip shows. And I just, yeah, I didn't think that anybody would take me serious because like I was really a kind of a big, I mean, as far as a a male stripper can be, I was a pretty big male stripper on the East Coast. And I just didn't think anybody would take me seriously. So I I just kept like, I said, well, I'll just promote, right? Uh, Because, you know, you kind of, and I remember J.B. Smooth, I always tell the story about JB. JB Smooth used to make me pee my pants. Like really? he, I remember doing a gig with him and it was maybe it was in a big kind of loft banquet spot. And uh, he starts talking about how he's going to fuck the crowd up because they're not laughing. And he takes a chair and he starts beating up this chair like he's climbing on the speakers. He's dropping elbows on the I, I'll get you, mother. And he just w- he was like, you know, he's kind of you got to watch what I, I want to say. He's like a comedy rapist, but I don't mean it like he just keeps hitting the punchline until you crack and then you just lose your shit. And I remember him dropping the elbows. He was fucking this chair up for like 15 minutes. He just fucked this chair right. up. And it, and it made me laugh. And I, I, I remember booking those guys and and I just wanted to do it. But I remember when you get a guy like that, you think, which is interesting because you're not a guy that people laugh at. Do you, do you know what I mean? Not not as a comic, but I'm saying as a person, you're not a guy like I'm not a guy that people like. like I'm not a like when you think about J.B. Smooth, people laugh at J.B. Sure, Smooth. Tracy Morgan. Yeah, yeah, like you're a guy who kind of people don't laugh at. And so I always was interested in, as how I would bridge that 
because I wasn't a goofy kind of like you're not a goofy guy. You know, I right. mean, we all do self-deprecating stuff, but it's not like that's not like you're kind of like this is my story. Do you know what I mean? So what about what what did your stand up look like when you first came out? You know, I mean, so, was it was it just like a, a, a Tonight Show set where you No, I so I I did. So first thing I did, I was a man. So I went to I went to college in uh, at SUNY New Pulse and I was on a fencing scholarship. Right. And um, so I, I fenced foil for since I was like 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and the. The way I learned that was like you didn't put a weapon in your hand for six months. Like all you did was advance, advance. All you did was work footwork for six months. Then when you they put a weapon in your hand, you didn't move. You you just right. stood still and 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 did that. So I always had this kind of very methodic way of of looking at any any task. So the first thing I did was I took I bought every book on comedy writing and stand up that there was. I don't even think there were that many at the time. Maybe but, three or four. I mean, I was yeah. 10 years before you, but I did yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But they were all read, written by Judy Carter. Real obscure joke. But solid. But yeah, solid. Um, and, and so I understood uh, technique really well um what's you talk about um your boy what's his last name the one that you went out to la with oh steve marmel so uh larry amaros wrote for so larry amaros was teaching a class and i took larry amaros's class i remember larry and and larry larry had gotten into trouble because of some uh some sexual harassment yeah he was he was he was Feeling everybody up at the Arsenio show. So yeah. um, but I, I took his class and then it, I just was like, I want my the, my technical aspect of what I do to be perfect because I didn't think people would laugh at me. So I said, if I lean on the, the fundamentals, I, I, I could do OK. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of had an athletic background and applied that to. Yeah, yeah, just very specific setup, punchline. I mean, I understood that stuff, and then I also understood because because stripping is a lot like like comedy. Like you create this kind of persona, and then you market this persona, and then you you hone it. You're constantly honing it and perfecting it. And how 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 congruent it is 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 how how much people like it. You know, like the more congruent it is with who you are, the more honest and truthful it is, right. the more people resonate with it. So um, but I knew that people saw me as this big kind of scary dude. I was, you know, I was powerlifting at the time. Even when I met you, I was still powerlifting. I was like a brick shit house. And but and um, and I knew that people would be intimidated me. So I used. So, you know, the funny is if the truth is here. The funny is at either end of the truth. If you confirm what they already think about you, then they laugh. And if you go totally against what they think about you. So if I get on stage and I go, so I was just uh, I was just bagging up crack before I came here. That's funny. And if I go, oh, I was home making banana bread that, you know, so, so I, I, under it. I understood that. And so it was very formulaic. And I did this guy who was kind of this sociopath kind of guy who just got out of jail. And I, all of my jokes were 
that guy's jokes. Right. So my, so my first joke was I never had many friends, mostly just hostages. Right. And then it was just like kind of very Stephen Wright, bang, 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 bang. But it worked because of the look and I was killing. But I knew that I wanted to talk about more. And I knew that guy couldn't talk about more. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, that guy. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. That guy, so he, that guy doesn't allow itself. So anytime you 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 do a character, it, it it limits you to what you because you always I I always look at it like um, Bart Simpson is nine years old, but he's been nine years old for twenty five years. You know what I mean? Because he only yeah. matures one episode at a time. He only matures matures right. as a nine year old in that in the episode. And the same thing is true when you do a character. The only time that character is really present is when you get on stage. So they don't mature. Whereas you, as a human being, you've gone through divorce and all kinds of different things, and you can't really talk about it because the character is not living you. You you're almost living a, a double life in a sense. Right. Um, and so four years in, I stopped doing the character, scrapped all the material and started from scratch. And I was doing really well, but I just I just knew that it was there was going to be an end to it, you know, and, and that I wouldn't be able to express uh, what I wanted to express. And so I started from scratch and started all over, scratched all the four years of jokes I was killing. I was, you know, and then I just started again and started building it again. And then, you know, you find out that a lot of the things that you said that you thought you had to throw away, you didn't really have to throw away. Harry was saying that about, you know, like Harry lost a shitload of weight. And yeah. he was like, this younger comic was saying, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to lose weight because I don't want to lose all my fat jokes. And he was like, you you only lose 10% of it really. Yeah. And right, right. whatever you lose. Still it, solid. You can it, just reframe it and just yeah. go, uh, I lost weight and tell your story that way. Yeah. Yeah. If it's so, a good enough joke, you can reframe it. So it's it's an interesting thing because the journey for so, you know, the show that we do is mostly about relationships. And 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 I'm always looking for the connection between that the universal connection in everything. I, I, I believe that there are these universal truths. And when you understand when you boil those universal truths down to the rue, you have a, a, a little nugget of of wisdom that you can reapply with everything else. Like for instance, I always say that a, an audience is, uh, is, is a lot like a woman, right? If you're needy and you're too anxious and you're too given, then the, the audience will reject you because it's almost as if you're saying, I'm not worthy of your time. Right. You know, and whereas if and 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 a, and a and a young comic will get resistance from an audience, and then what's the first thing they do is try harder. Sure. Look for more, which is you know, that's the kiss of death. When they're not giving you anything, and somebody go, you oh, you guys are a great crowd. The the 
the thing to do is to tell them that they're not a great crowd, you know, and then right. it changes the power dynamic. And so I've learned these kind of things in comedy that I reapply in relationships and in life. And, and, and it just, it always kind of works up anytime that you're too thirsty or you're too needy, whatever you're dealing with, if it's in a, in a relationship or whatever, they tend to to. It's almost as if you're communicating that you have lesser value. And and how do people know what your value is? You tell them, you know, if you're not sure. telling them directly, you're telling them in the way that you carry yourself and, and whatever the subtext is. Yeah, you know? I agree on all that. And um, I was like you early on. I I mean, you know, I think you have to be a couple of ways. You know, you can come out dirty because you you. You're just so desperate to get a laugh. You're going to say fucking shit. Or you can do what we did, which was write these very or I, I don't want to compare yourself to me. No, but no, I, no. It's fine. You can. I wrote you're, these you're, very, you're a craftsman. You could do that. Yeah, I, I wrote these very specific um, set up punchline, like, like like right out of the book that Harry was talking about, a yeah. Judy Carter book, you know, one, two, three, boom. And uh and I did fine. I always they always let me go up on open mic that I'd get three minutes and I didn't have to fight for a spot. But it's like you said, it was very limiting. And also you get exposed to um, so many new comics over the years. You know, you just get exposed to more comics and you see the um, what's possible, the possibilities right. in stand up. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting you bring up um, Jamie Smooth. He's one of those people, like, I feel like I've worked with everybody or at least knew of everybody. And I was on the West Coast when J.B. Smooth was getting, but I never knew of J.B. Smooth before uh, Curb. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, I yeah. just didn't know anything about well, he was him. A, and, he, was a, he was a New York guy. He was from Jersey, but yeah. he, he did the Chitlin Circuit rooms for a long time. Right, like, that's what I learned. Yeah, he, he did that, and then he just got so big with that, but Curb was really his expression of this kind of mainstream kind of thing that 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 happened yeah, and then was, right. that's when he blew yeah. up really like he yeah. blew up, uh, Nick, mainstream. uh dante was talking before about like uh seeing you and he knew that you'd broken up with somebody just because the material had changed or the direction of what you were talking about how intense does that like affect like your personal life and relationship stuff affect what you do? Like, is it is it instant? You you go on stage and you're just automatically like, all right, I got to go. Into yeah, this. I don't hurt. know. I, I have I have no poker face at all. So if I'm <laughs> down, everybody knows it. And. Um, and that happened a lot. Like I, I, I when I went through my divorce, uh, which was many years ago, not a big deal, but I was so I was so run over and everyone knew it. And for, you know, I'd probably say for a good year, right. it, it looked bad on stage. Like it just like I, I my jokes were strong enough to get me through my set, but people yeah. can tell I was affected. And then I started to write really good divorce jokes. And, right. you know, there was a lot of freedom in that yeah. and a lot of empowerment in that. And, uh, and, and I think that's kind of where I, I think that's where I turned the corner in my career is just talking about my divorce and finding out, like I said to, to Dante, the possibilities of what I could do with stand up or whatever. Yeah. Did you when did it you say when it turned the corner? Like what what like did you did it really turn the corner when you came to New York or was it kind of turning Maybe around? 
maybe a couple of years before I got to New York. I mean, I always worked. I just wasn't, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I was just getting by. And I think you sound like you, uh, I just, I struggled for years just trying to get by. I just got by. And I mean, I never had to get a day job, but I was, you know, I was literally just getting by. And I, right. you know, I've lived in a studio apartment for years and years and years. And then I got the divorce material out and, and I got on Letterman and then I just got a little bit of, um, you know, my price mm-hmm. went up a little bit, a little bit more in demand. Um, yeah. 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 And that's what happened. And then, things started to pick up, but uh, that was probably, geez, 20 years into my career. Really? So, I mean, okay, because it's a weird thing because I had I had success in movies, but I really... You did I, the... Uh, what was the fighting movie? It's uh, called Fighting. It was called Fighting. Um, the movie with Channing Tatum, I did that. That yeah, was a big thing. Yeah, and you were in the trailer and everything. Yeah, and then I did... Uh, I, I did a bunch of movies like that, but I also did Blacklist. I did like eight episodes of Blacklist. Oh, that's was, tremendous. And then I did uh, I did Power with uh, 50 Cents Think Power. And I actually left Power because I got the opportunity to do to do Blacklist. And Blacklist was NBC mainstream. And so at the time, it's changed so Very much. Very popular I mean, show. You, you had to, you know, you always go mainstream first because it gives you the but I mean, all of that is to shit now. Like, who the fuck knows what, you know, what what gets you more exposure or not? But it, it makes me feel good that, uh, you know, because I really haven't gotten the um the like the props, I think, comedy wise, you know, right, like right in comedy. So it's 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 when you said you've been doing it for 30 years, I, I you know, I'm I, I feel for you because of the pain <laughs> but i also feel like oh, okay so i could you know like it, right. it's, if you stick with it and you stay true to it it, it happens you know i mean it i mean it happened to mike yard i mean mike yard was like 30 years old 30 in before he did uh larry wilmore's show yeah 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 the uh, nightly show or whatever yeah and that was just him like i'm doing comedy and i i enjoy doing comedy I love doing comedy. I, I want to be good at it. I make them. I make money out of it because he he also started like with JB Smooth and those guys on the Chitlin Circus side. And so the difference with that was that you could always make a living on that side because everything was pay up front. Like if you did a spot, you got you made a hundred bucks. You know, right on a weekday. You know, which yeah. was different. But um, but you don't you didn't get those opportunities. You would never get the Letterman opportunities from that. So it was a weird kind of trade off. And there's a lot of guys like guys like Jamie Smooth who made a living. But what what's interesting, I, I think what's interesting is that, you know, like I so a lot of times I'll have a I, I like we I also do consulting and I do like where I consult guys about relationships and guys who, you know, not particularly great in, in social dynamics and stuff. And I, and I, and I, and I've gone through situations where, you know, where I've listened to a lot of pickup stuff and I used to teach pickup, but authentically the thing that, that works best is just the honesty, the, the congruency of, who you are and 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 what you put out there, I, I find that women often see if there is some incongruency. That incongruency becomes is perceived as deception, and that deception is what makes them feel unsafe. 
and then them feeling unsafe makes you unattractive. And it happens in a very quick way, you know? Um, and so one of the things that I do is like if a guy tells me I, um, you know, I'm not really good with girls. I've been from, from 35 years old. I, I've been laid once in my life and whatever. And I would I would have them do. I have this thing where I tell them to lay the five bricks is where they go out and set, pay five compliments a day to five women a day. With no intention on getting anything in return, right? you know, so there's nothing at stake. Um, so it, uh, it literally becomes like a social open mic that you're doing. It's it's because even with all the shitty, I mean, you've been doing it 30 years. So even the shittiest open mics, sometimes just getting on stage and telling your jokes out loud gets you to a closer place to where you want to be. And so these guys just paying a compliment, even with nothing in return, not looking for not looking for a number, not looking to get laid. Just and not something non-sexual like, wow, your your makeup is impeccable or right. I love your shoes or it just gets you to a place where you're social, you know, and, and it's almost like comedy. It's like you don't really get to the truth of what you want to say on stage until you've been on stage long enough that it that you don't have the anxiety of getting on stage. You know, do you still get nervous or no? I don't think the word is nervous. I think I get uh, excited. I mean, I'm a little, I mean, I just, I don't think it's nerves. I do, Yeah, I think it's excited. Yeah. Um, I think you're 100% right about the anxiety that you, you just, you get to the point where you um, are okay with whatever will happen yeah. on stage. Um, I think a lot of that comes from, success and failure like just bombing a lot and yeah. and going up uh you know in bad gigs and all that i mean a lot of it's just time yeah um i i was yeah i always always uh lived and died every every um every set for years yeah. and years and years just be oh I, I suck oh my god i'm great oh i suck i'm great and this is right. back and forth and back and forth and now i i just work it really trying to get better and more relaxed. I think right. that the key, you know, as, as I'm sure you've had young comics and obviously the people you consult with yeah. ask you certain questions. And, and, and my big answer when comics say, how do I get better is just uh, relax and do lots of sets. Cause I yeah. just don't think, I think experience and relaxing and, 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 you know, you were talking about girls. I just think relaxing. Yeah. You just got to relax. It's yeah. just, and, and it's, it's so, so hard. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. It seems like such a simplistic thing. Just Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis. Go green with solar panels or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Relax and just do it. But the point is that you, you kind of have to have a way of approaching that. Because so, so it's, 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 it's the way I, I liken, liken it to, you know, there's this, we, we all, we still, gen, you know, genetically, we still have the fight or flight impulse. 
And so whenever fear happens, we either want to run or we want to fight. Or, But what instantly happens is that fear um, comes over your brain or comes over your body. And then you can't even access the information that you would normally have. Like, so you've been doing comedy 30 years, but the minute you have fear, you limit your ability, you, you limit the knowledge and your ability and your skill because of the fear, because you can't access the full file cabinet of all the things that you've learned in the course of in the course of that 30 years. And that happens with the fear based on the fight or flight uh, principle. You have to get past the fight or flight principle. And the only way you can do it really is the way a boxer like if you I mean, if you're not a dude that fights and you're in an alter physical altercation and you get you're worried about getting punched in the face a boxer gets in the ring knowing he's going to get punched in the face it becomes part of i mean that's just what boxing nobody boxes and doesn't get punched the best boxers get punched in the face right. and so going in with the mentality of that this is this is going to get greasy it it may or it can or it may not and then and then if it does, it does, and like you said, just being okay with it. And so a lot of times when the guys will lay, the, when I, they'll be paying those, laying the five bricks and paying those five, the first thing I do is I make them promise me that they'll do it. I, I, I make them, I, I go, what you have to understand is your truthfulness, your truthfulness sharpens other people's honesty. So the more truthful you are, the more forced pe people around you are to be honest. Um, and if they're not, then they're exposed. And if they're dishonest, what you'll find is a lot of times they won't even fuck with you. Like dishonest people, I, they want to get away from me because you, those people, they don't want to be exposed. And when they when they feel your honesty, they like, oh, I don't want let me let me uh, I'm gonna, let me go tell my lies someplace else where somebody will accept them, where where everything is in that gray area. And and so. The, the first thing I always emphasize is authenticity and truth is to tell the truth and to keep your word and, keep, and, and be credible. And I go, look, if you're asking me for help with this, the, I need a commitment of you to do this. If you say you're going to do this, I'm expecting you to do this. It's the honor system. And what happens is after the first week, I mean, it's five a day every day. So it's 35 women a week. I mean, I, I know pimps that don't talk to women that much, you know, <laughs> so it becomes kind of this mundane kind of practice, kind of like when you're young and you get on open mic, get on them and the open mics are shitty and the people are leaving and there's two people and six bottles with beer bottles and you, you build this callus. And then when you're not looking for something in return, when you're simply doing the road work or hitting the heavy bag like you would do as a boxer. It becomes now you get to access all of your brain in the context of this kind of social dynamics. And I think the same is true in relationships. You know, I think you have that anxiety. We get that anxiety when we feel like we're not we're in a relationship that we don't really deserve to be in. Do you know? Yeah, I also think that. Much like comedy relationships. Uh, I guess both ego is a big thing. And, and if you start worrying about, I can't, I can't have my ego bruised and I don't want to get, I don't want an audience member to make me look bad. All that stuff is just obstacles that get in your way. Yeah, you know, you yeah. can't have this kind of bravado that I'm not going to take 
uh, that that it's like you said that you said I'm never going to get hit. You, you're yeah. going to get hit in stand up, yeah. yeah. and you're going to look bad at times, and it's not going to go perfectly. You're not going to say the right thing every single time. But at the end of the day, I think if you relax, calm down, yeah. and um, yeah, that that to me is is a huge deal. And uh, I think you're right with with. with I think everything is repetition. You get better. Like it's just punching, hitting a heavy bag, you know, whatever, throwing a football, reading yeah. books, yeah. doing stand up, talking to girls. The yeah. more you do it, the more confidence you're going to build. Right. And uh, yeah. And and then more you have, when you have the confidence, you remove the fear and then you really, you get the chance to like, I mean, if you think about, you you said 32 years you've been doing it, right? Yeah. So think about all that you've learned in 32 years that you you've seen everything. Like there's nothing pretty much you I mean it would you it would you would be hard pressed to go, I never seen that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 so in that in that calmness, you have access to 32 years of experience minutes on stage. And so when you have, you literally have got the whole comedy Bible in your, I mean, uh, there's another book, but, (laughs) but but you have that, you have the whole Bible in your head that you can just access if you stay calm enough to, to, to access it. And the minute you, like you said, your ego goes, oh, how dare you? Or, do you not know who, your, your, your ego wants to go, do you not who, know who I am? And then once you're there, it's, it's you're, you're lost. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is, it's like you said, once you get to the place where you say, you know, don't you know who I am, what you think would be an aggressive position is actually uh, you're on your heels at that point. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not, yeah. you're not in a power position at that point. Right, Cause nobody says that. No. If you get a three-year-old and he goes, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. You go, Oh, okay. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, what, what yeah, it's just, right. You don't even respond to that. Um, whereas if it, it is, it's who you, you, you know who the fuck I, yeah, we get it. You don't know who you are. You're, right. you're trying to convince yourself and me in the same in the same context. It's it's a really weird dynamic that the things that are not said are almost more important than the things that people say, you know? Yeah, I uh, as far as girls go, like I just uh, for a big thing for me in terms of if there was a turning point was like getting older. Like I think early on when you know, you're obviously if, if, if girls are your thing, you're so and I'm sure this is true of guys in your thing. Yeah, you're yeah. so excited about yes, being yeah. with that person that you lose your mind. I, yeah. the first, you know what, you know, you're giggling when you're 13, 14, yeah. 15. And, and uh, it, it wasn't until I got a little older where I could calm down and go, well, look, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'm not, <laughs> I, <don't> have, you know. <laughs> I think you also understand, I, I find this about comics. A lot of times it's comics tend to be, um, insecure and they don't really understand how dope they are like even shitty comics like I mean you got a pretty dope life like you 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 stand up in front of people people listen to everything that you have that you do not only that but you're literally what think of if you think about the insanity of of putting yourself under scrutiny because the minute they go, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Nick Griffin, you walk on stage, you're being judged from the moment you stand on stage. Right, and, absolutely. And the insanity of us 
signing up for that every fucking day, two, three, four times a night sometimes, that we will be judged in that way and <clears throat> and 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 riding this kind of living, breathing tornado that can change and throw you at any given time and being willing to, to live with that. And so I, I there's the, very rarely is it any many other professions where that's the case, where you're literally sure. being judged moment to moment. And but then they'll, they'll get, you know, because it's something that they're unfamiliar with, where, you know, I've, I, how many times, Harry, have we had comics on here? And they go, yeah, I was talking to this girl. She was way out of my league. Yeah, and all I'm the time. Like, all the time. I'm like, no, she wasn't. She no. wasn't smart. <laughs> she wasn't interesting. She wasn't funny. She didn't have great stories. You're you paying the bill. She's way out you're, of your you're, league. You're, you're, you're picking up the Uber. You're, you're, you're like... The whole relationship is good because you have created all the aesthetics that make it good. Right. If you think about how often are you in a ever in a in a on a date or where the person that you the square, you know, somebody who's not a comic is contributing to the social dynamic of the of the of the conversation or what's happening in a real way where they're actually contributing. We we hang out with you know, with some of the smartest and the most creative and intelligent people ever that's constantly are taking things and twisting it and different. And then when you, you get somebody who, you know, has got to just, it's not even trained to think that way. It's, I say this all the time, bookers. I you remember, you remember candy, right? They used to book stand yeah, of course. So I used to always say to candy, we love candy's a fan of the show. Like we broke candy. Because Candy used to just hang out with comics. And then she, when she would date regular square dudes, she would she'd be like, "Ugh, this is trash. This is horrible. Like, right. I, mean, I mean, on any given day, I mean, we've been we've been at the cellar any given day. It could be three comics who you don't even know or not that, you know, you know, but you don't particularly hang out with. And you can have this moment where it's the greatest moment ever. Right. Some conversation or something that we're laughing at, something we're discussing. And then we all go home and do it again tomorrow. Right. With another three guys, you know, just people who you would never even have the conversation with. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, it's, a, it's a really extraordinary thing. But you get guys who are doing that every day and don't even put it in perspective to people that they're dealing with or relationships that you you're really the light in the in the relationship more so than not you're funny you're intelligent got gotcha. you the uh you know it's it's and they take that for granted like no, like i always did like with norton just it's always amazing to me how he doesn't think him, himself worthy of of you know certain women um and then Dude, you're so creative. Like you, you, you know. I don't. I don't. Like, what do you think that disconnect is? I don't know. I, I think. I think it's. I mean, so much of what I believe is like is chemistry. I just sometimes believe your body doesn't make doesn't allow you to think certain things. And and I, I certainly have been down that road. But I agree a hundred percent with what you do. And I think to add on to what you said about. Um, oh, I don't deserve this person or they're better than me. I think that other person that you're talking about would say, this guy's insightful. This guy's got right. cool story. 
they they are they're on your side. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's what they're thinking. Maybe they're not showing their hand. Right, right. But they're thinking that. I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, um I, I I can't I think one of the true blessings of being a stand-up <clears throat> is hanging out with funny, irreverent, like you Creative. say, great stories, yeah. insightful, the complete swath of humanity, the different, you know, races and creeds and colors and and everything and, 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 and talking about it and all that stuff. So yeah, you're 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 just you get a treasure trove of uh, gifts yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's so and then when you're dealing with like I like you know I got 27 years at the phone company. Yeah. With probably some of the dumbest guys I you know and I mean they were all worth $150,000, $200,000 a piece. They got a boat in the house and just dumb. Just just you know just hor- just horrible. Just like what I remember like there's this so there was always this running joke cuz I you know doing comedy, I mean I did I did what was the bare minimum and then I I kind of kept really low. Like I wasn't available for everyone. You wouldn't see me often. Right. And I wouldn't go to the events and the Christmas parties. And then I would show up and they would go, hey, get a load of the new guy. You know how many times I've heard that joke in 27 years? If I didn't hear that joke 180 times, I didn't hear it once. The same joke never gets a laugh. Guys say it over and over. And I and I remember this guy saying, I go, let me let me ask you something. Has that ever got a laugh? <laughs> I'm just curious because I've been hearing it for 25 years. Yeah. And, and you're so unaware that you just do it anyway. Right. And, you, and, you, and, you, and you're laughing at it as if it's it's such you suck as a human being. Like, <laughs> like I have the ability to be aware. Um, Nick, can you hang out a little bit? We're going to close it down and then do a little few minutes. For the Patreon behind the scenes, can you hang out for a few? Sure. All right. Um, let, plug anything you want to plug, please. Uh, I have a little uh, podcast I do with my friend Lori Palmateri. It's called Scary Monsters. Uh, it's uh, you can get it on iTunes. It's just a uh, we we watch one horror movie a week and talk about it. And uh, and other than that, just follow me on Instagram at uh, uh, I think it's Comic Nick Griffin. Okay, I appreciate it. Harry, talk to me. Uh, you should go to all my stuff at Harry Trajanian on my social media. Uh, um, everything. Google me, bitch. Dante Nero. Everything's there. Uh, GYBB gets your balls back. WWDD. What would Dante do? The sexual revolution is being podcasted. Yo, I love y'all. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, um, if you uh, like what we do, please sign up for the Patreon. It's Man School 202. Um, uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash Man School 202. Sorry. And uh, sign up and you get the stuff that we're going to do behind the scenes, get a little deeper in and everything. Um, I love y'all, man. Get at us.